This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. I'm Sandra Winka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. So Novak Djokovic is a six-time Wimbledon champion and 20-time Grand Slam champion and has completed three of the four legs of a calendar slam, a position he's never been in before and he has completed, if you want to look at it this way, three of the five legs of a Golden Slam. He says he hasn't decided yet whether he will play the Olympics. That's something that we can discuss in due course. I must disclaimer this podcast with the fact that we have all just collectively watched England lose the Euros final on penalties. And if we sound downbeat, it's not because we don't think 20 Grand Slam titles is a marvellous achievement. It's because we've only just stopped crying in time to be able to record this podcast. So you're sort of listening to our very own therapy session. Yeah, I'm going to treat this as catharsis. Uh, and yes, it was um, not not the greatest half an hour we've ever had. <laughs> but anyway, I, I'm, I'm sufficiently long in the tooth to have seen about four of these now uh, in my lifetime. So, you know. That doesn't make it better, David. It kind of does, actually. Does that mean I'm allowed to be extremely, extremely sad? Yes. Yeah, it gets easier. Oh, I, Does it? Yeah. Look, I'm not, I feel all right. Billie Jean knows where she's needed and has placed herself on Matt's lap. Mm-hmm. Good, 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 good teamwork from Billie Jean King. She is the Gareth Southgate shoulder to Matt's Bukayo Saka oh. right now. Anyway, <laughs> Novak Djokovic. Let's let's row back a few hours to when there was hope and. <laughs> things to look forward to and when it wasn't raining and life wasn't miserable um hey Matteo Berrettini has at least had a good evening should we look at it like that yeah he's he's picked himself up tonight hasn't he yes (laughs) good for him (laughs) right then Novak Djokovic 20 
Grand Slam titles as it stands at the moment if the world stops turning and Matt looks like he might quite want that to happen. Novak Djokovic, Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal will each have 20 Grand Slam titles, 60 between them, and that is just an incredible thing. Mm. But the world isn't going to stop turning and Novak Djokovic ain't stopping there. No, there, there, there was the sort of the joke that's gone around that just imagine just imagine if he decided to retire now and then <laughs> and then within about two minutes he, he, he the first thing he answered was when what do you feel when somebody says to you you're all on 20 and he goes well we can't stop now so that's very clear he well i mean we we knew he'd be as motivated as ever to move on i i mean in terms of what we've what we saw today I mean, it kind of went how I think we all thought it would do in terms of being close, but ultimately Djokovic being too good. The big surprise to me was that Berrettini struggled early on, went far behind, looked like he's going to get duffed up in that first set, and then turned it around, and Djokovic allowed him to turn it around. That's the part that I really wasn't expecting at all, Um, but ultimately... Yes, I think it played out pretty much as I would have thought, apart from that. Yeah, it was that 5-2 game in the first set with Berrettini serving at 2-5. And he had to save a set point there. And when he eventually held, it it felt to me like he unclenched and was suddenly liberated from... I don't know what it was that was compromising him in those early stages. Nerves, I guess... And suddenly he started really attacking the ball and playing the points on his terms and rocking Djokovic with his with his big power. And he did what he had to do, which was win the first set. Ultimately, it wasn't enough. But if he if he hadn't won that first set, I don't think he would have had a chance in this match. And with Djokovic racing into an early lead, it really looked like it was you know, in, in danger of not being much of a contest, but credit to Berrettini for fighting back in that first set, playing a great tie break, winning it. And for a moment there, it, it really did feel like we had a bit of a match, but Djokovic's response to go up a double break in the second set, just, just so quickly and efficiently, you know, he was fighting through his own, tightness I felt for most of the match I think we got tournament tournament yeah absolutely I'm not sure we ever saw a completely liberated Djokovic swinging really freely at the ball perhaps not until the very final stages of this match actually I thought the I thought his last few games of this match were some of his best um just just yeah it was interesting to see how they both managed it and in the end it was it was Djokovic doing what he does doing enough to win and he's he's the he's the best i've ever seen at managing these matches and winning winning these big moments the most djokovic move of the match was breaking immediately at the start of the second set wasn't it it was so it was so kind of ha you think you've got a chance here you 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 think you know you think you've seen matt's stat and you know that you've got to win the first set to have a chance well even then, mate. Even then. And I think that was from forty fifteen on Berrettini's serve. Yeah. yeah. Or even forty love. Uh, and that 
you can't do that. Mm. Not when you've got a serve like Berrettini's got and a forehand and you've got momentum and all that. You just can't do that. And maybe maybe experience will help him uh, so that that doesn't happen in the future. It's, it's always difficult to know because sometimes it can be the other way around that not having the experience can take away any fear or any question marks. You know, you've got no bad experiences to draw on. Um, but, I mean, I, I think that the... The thigh strapping throughout the match made me wonder whether Berrettini was compromised. Um, I don't don't really remember seeing that the rest of the tournament. Um, But ultimately, I just just take away the fact that I don't think Berrettini could have won today. Because Mm. Djokovic is just better. Overall, he's got everything to, to... diffuse the game of Berrettini yeah and he he wasn't he wasn't necessarily troubled by it, but he wasn't enjoying the Berrettini slice early on in the match I don't think Djokovic it wasn't sort of a game changer for Berrettini but it was you know causing a bit of a, a bit of a stir and I felt like Djokovic just sort of figured that out over the course of the match and was was using the Berrettini slice to to get on top of rallies by the end. And I'm sure part of that was being on top of the scoreline and just generally opening his shoulders a bit. But for me, the feat of this title run is the fact that he never played, I don't think, even close to his best tennis. He never saw that moment where he opened his shoulders and he's just swinging. I I don't, I mean, I didn't, didn't watch all of his matches and in fact there you know there were one or two that I saw very little of because they were just so routine and there was so much else going on but uh, of what I saw there was none of that completely free hitting he looked tense and inhibited throughout this tournament inhibited by desire and hunger um for for this title and look he's had that desire and hunger for for a long time it's it's defined him but but the calendar slam makes it a now or never situation if you don't win this one then that's off and for the golden slam that's off forever you know it's hard it's it's hard to think that he'll be in this position in three years time although definitely never say never where any of the big three are concerned but yeah he's looked inhibited to me and yet still imperious and in the words of his coach Goran Ivanovic after the match unbeatable yeah that's a frightening thought I I think I would put some of it down more to the opponents that he faced the type of opponents the the attacking nature of Shapovalov and Berrettini who want to go on the front foot all the time and I think it's it's probably a safer play to win the match by not hitting out for Novak Djokovic in that situation. I think it's harder to hit aggressively against that sort of power. And um, But I'm not necessarily talking... I agree with you, but I'm not necessarily talking about tactics. I'm just talking about... I mean, physically, his shoulders, to me, have looked, you know, mm. just tight well, and Well, it would make, make sense, doesn't throughout. it? Absolutely. It, it, it does add up that that might be the case. I just feel like there are some players that... Zverev and one or two others that that he he might not approach it quite the same way, but but probably you're right in that that sheer tension 
gets in the way um, in, in in terms of how he ends up approaching it. But that's the extraordinariness of his ability is that he's still able to it's like it is the ultimate plan b he 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 has two or three modes that he can mm. just go into in order to win grand slam titles and and in his own words he's a more complete player now than he ever has been i mean he's not he's not saying he's playing better than ever he's he's not putting it in those terms but i think he realizes now that he understands his game better than ever i think he has more options, you know, he, he can go into his classic grinding mode from the baseline, or he can be really aggressive from the baseline and dominate with that forehand, or he can do what we saw this tournament, which was not really either of those, but just raise his game when it matters, mix in some variety. I thought he volleyed brilliantly this tournament. He mm. was he was sort of ghosting in a lot and finishing points at the net. I think Pat that's... Cash was really won over by his yeah. volleying. He, I mean, and this is a classic servant volleyer, and he said it, it's, a, it's amazing what he's achieved with that because he used to not have a clue. A, mm. a decade after employing a volleying coach. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what's that? That's Todd Martin, Mark Woodford, Boris Becker, yeah. Goran Ivanisevic, Andre Agassi. I mean, there is not a stone he has left yeah. he in order to try to improve over the years and it's and it has paid off i mean he's it might not have always been uh, acute at the time and obvious but just and, and and that was what pat cash was saying in the country was sometimes it may not happen he was going in on a wing on a on a prayer with, when he was first starting with boris becker but here he is now in 2021 some seven years later or whatever it is mid-30s and he's still fit enough to be able to enjoy the fruits of mm. all that work he put in back then and he's i think what he's done in in just how i view tennis is i think i used to quite flippantly think you know the best player is is the one who whose peak is the highest you know who, whose yeah. ceiling is the highest and djokovic will certainly have a claim to that when when he's played peak tennis He's uh, incredible. He can do anything. But there are, you know, Nadal and Federer can do anything as well when they're at their peak. What he has done has made me realise that it's about having the highest floor. You know, it's about how you're playing when you're not quite at your best and finding ways to win when you can't necessarily see the ball huge and just hit winners all day and he does that better than better than anyone i mean really i mean mm, he absolutely it, it is incredible what he does and look i don't think he was at his floor this tournament he wasn't playing badly but he certainly wasn't at his peak and he just he 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 creates not much difference between between the two it's it's incredible he has he has very few weaknesses and you're just left thinking well how do you beat the guy what how do you hurt him and he's he's just got the answers to all the questions and you know Berrettini has asked him questions Shapovalov has and they've come away empty-handed well I asked that question of Goran who was brought to the <laughs> brought to the press conference room after the match within minutes again <laughs> it happened after the Australian Open win didn't it maybe it happened after the French Open but I wasn't 
certainly wasn't aware of it then, but in pops Goran. So so we uh, we head along to that press conference virtually, of course. And uh, I asked him, you know, you know, Goran is just he's he's in awe of Djokovic. He's completely in awe of him. He, he had already come out with some incredible lines. Um, he had said he talked about players from the Balkans. He said we're we're capable of incredible things. Um, and I know David, you pointed out that as a Croatian, he had had a thing or two of not so great things to say about Serbians back in his day. But maybe he's matured. I don't know. He certainly feels a a Balkan kinship with Djokovic and a a mentality of understanding something that not everyone can understand you know coming from a war-torn country and all of that um and it's very clear you know I, d- I think they're extremely different people and I don't think they're I don't think they're blokes that go to the pub together but I think Goran is yeah in awe of Novak Djokovic what he is as a an athlete and competitor um and anyway he was just waxing lyrical about Djokovic, so bullish, you know, not downplaying the hype about the Golden Slam, the opposite of downplaying the hype, David lawing the hype. <laughs> um, so I said, look, it, given the the form he's in, and, and more importantly, the the mindset and the, the confidence that he has at the moment, imagine that you're Goran Ivanovic, the player at your peak. W- what do you think? going onto the court to face this Djokovic how would you be convincing yourself that you can win and he basically said not possible he's unbeatable and I don't think he means he's never going to lose a tennis match again but I think he means when it matters when it's important at the moment unless Djokovic messes up which could very well happen uh, yeah. it doesn't really matter what you do or what you tell yourself or who you are how good the next guy is at the moment that doesn't matter and he's he was asked about whether Djokovic is the goat and he said yeah he's the goat and at the end of this year there'll be no debate about it anymore he said look there'll always be a certain amount of debate because of the element of 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 that discussion that's down to taste, he said, but that's a different kettle of fish. In terms of the numbers, there'll be no debate at the end of this year. The goat is the greatest of all time. Yes. Mm. It was hype-tastic, mm. that I love press it. conference. And, and, and I think that's exactly what Novak Djokovic needs he, he and, and wants. That's why... I think that's a big part of why Goran is in his camp. He wants to be told, you're the guy. Because he goes on the court with that mentality. And if he's got people around him telling him that, he doesn't want doubt being put in his mind. Just It's all part of what makes him stronger, I think, on the court. And look, in terms of in terms of those records now, I've sort of always felt like there could be a distinction between goat and boat if 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 goat is greatest and boat is best yeah. like greatest just feels like such a big term and people have their own interpretation of it a little bit but best of all time purely records it's already Djokovic 
Yes. I, I genuinely don't think there's that much of an argument anymore. Currently, it could look the picture could change again, but out of those three, is that is that based on the the weeks at number one? It's based on that? he's tied at slams. He's got more weeks at number one. He's he got owns the head, the head to, to head heads. against both of them. He's won all the Masters titles. He's held all four slams at once. I mean, and he's one away from doing it. Twice. The only, the only the thing he doesn't have is the gold medal. Yeah. And a calendar slam, but no one else has got that either. Yeah. And he and he did something and he did something <laughs> He's today. Absolutely on course for them both. <laughs> yeah. And he did something today which was one of the few things he didn't have which Federer and Nadal had, which was winning Roland Garros and Wimbledon in the same year. That's that's seen as one of the hardest things to do in tennis because the, of the, that the short turnaround, slam. the channel slam, the different surfaces. He's done that now. And just this year, he is taking on the best that men's tennis currently has to offer. He's beaten Nadal at Roland Garros. He's beaten Medvedev, Tsitsipas and Berrettini in Grand Slam finals, who are this young, up-and-coming generation who are meant to be challenging him. And they are challenging him. He's just fending them off. Mm. I mean, what's... okay? Olympic gold medal... I mean, Federer doesn't have that in singles, so that's only Nadal that's got that on him. They've all got Davis Cups. Mm-hmm. I mean, what He's, wh- What else have the other two got? I mean, a Lever Cup? <laughs> <laughs> He's got one of those as well. Has he? Yeah. <laughs> Has he? Yeah, he must do. He played it and Europe have won it every have time. Have I blocked out they? Djokovic playing Lever Cup? It was awful. Did he look miserable the whole time? Is that my memory he, he, he of that? He didn't seem to particularly enjoy it. No. And, and it was a one-time only He's thing. He's got a lave... Well, um, case closed. Case closed. But He's got a lave cup. The, He's got an ATP cup. The, oh, The thing is, yes. what, what's quite clear is that he he does find it difficult to really be at his best at the tour events that are, that aren't the slams or aren't relevant to the slams and and he's he's quite open about that really isn't he that that's the way he's going to organize himself from now on so he can look we can still get drawn into thinking oh he looks vulnerable he's lost to dan evans on claire yeah, he's lost to so and so you know but and and you're not alone but it's it's all irrelevant, mm-hmm. really, isn't it? Because he is so different at these major tournaments when when it matters the world to him. Well, what do we make then of the fact that he seems to have caused doubt on his participation in the Olympics? David, you were very dismissive and said, no, he's going to go. Well, my immediate thought was, well, I've heard that sort of thing before. Admittedly, like, after losses, after, after the French Open loss, he said, I, I don't even know if I'm going to play the grass. I don't know maybe he's trying to downplay it uh, and 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 not have that all around him. Maybe he just maybe there's the thing with the family that he doesn't want to be away from the family if that's what's required. I, I don't exactly know where going to Tokyo leaves uh, an athlete with their family. Um, if, if families can't can't go. Yeah, I mean I, that that would be difficult. I think for yeah. him really. Maybe it's just um, bubble fatigue and yeah. I, I, the I mean thought, the thought of but but. I think that equally, will be overcome because this is a one-time only thing in his Do you career. think there's any... I'm, slight, I'm somewhat playing devil's advocate here, but do you think there's any feeling on his part that he wouldn't want to jeopardise the calendar slam by going for the golden slam? Because I, I personally feel very strongly that he's far more vulnerable at the Olympics 
than yes. at the US Open. Mm. Best agree. of three sets, strange environment, no crowds, potential letdown after Wimbledon, mind slightly focused on the US Open. But if if the momentum and the spell is slightly broken at the Olympics and he has a feeling of loss and not achieving something rather than being on this incredible roll, does that just dent his chances slightly of the US Open? Does he not want to do anything to risk the calendar slam is my question. That was exactly how I was thinking about it. And when I read those quotes that he was divided and 50-50 on whether he was going to go to Tokyo or not. But then I thought, in a in a really bizarre world, that's how I would think. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> but I would be surprised if he thinks like that because he's in such a mode of confidence right now where he just seems to have belief that he can win anything he sets his mind to. So I, I would back him to set his mind to both of those goals and achieve them and think, if I win the gold medal in Tokyo, that shouldn't have an effect on my hopes for the calendar slam at the US Open. But perhaps he would think like that, and perhaps nothing is more important than the calendar slam. I think mm. if he if he could take either... I still think, even though he doesn't have an Olympic gold, I still think he would take the US Open over the Olympic gold. Yeah. Now, As at we... the start of the year, I think he'd have taken yeah, Olympic gold, but now the calendar slam is on. The calendar Ooh. slam is such a big deal. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I mean, you know how patriotic he mm-hmm. is yeah. and we've seen him at the ATP Cup and the Davis Cup just imagine him, the Labour Cup imagine him with a gold medal around his neck I mean imagine what that scene would be like how well of course remember the last Olympics he left the court in tears yeah that mm-hmm. was seriously moving at the time mm-hmm. him against El Potro wasn't it um, but yeah I, look I think he's going to go personally mm. is my gut feeling I, I'd be surprised if he didn't play the Olympics I'd be surprised if he didn't win the Olympics but he's certainly more vulnerable there than he is at the US Open for all the reasons you've identified the three set versus the five set and I think he could he's likely to go into the US Open as one of the biggest favourites that tournament has ever known uh, I think he will end up being as much of a favourite as Federer was in the mid to late 2000s um, and Steffi Graf in, in her era, Serena Williams when she was at her, her absolute most dominant. Do you think more of a favourite at the US Open than he was at this Wimbledon? He felt like he felt like such a big favourite to me at this Wimbledon because of his experience on grass. I think it's easy to overlook the fact he's really turned Wimbledon into his slam. Five of the last seven he's won, six overall. The yeah. field was weakened. With, He's mastered with, it, hasn't he? With Nadal not Actually, being and, there. Actually, and the US Open, he hasn't won so many times. Yeah, three, three times. Mm, no, no, he's won it three times. But it's, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it doesn't feel like that for some reason. It's his third best slam. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just feel like he's his locker room aura mm. right now. The, the fact that Shapovalov through what he threw at him and then Berrettini who's won Queens and got to the final and handled everybody else pretty comfortably 
they must just look at him and think, well, how, how can I beat this guy? Um, and Gorham will tell them you can't. <laughs> and that is the end <laughs> of the, the debate. By the way, just, just something you were saying when, when you, were, you were talking about Goran being somebody he would want in his corner because he builds him up and makes him feel the way he does. And I think that that's absolutely right. What a, an interesting contrast that is to Ash Barty, who we were talking about last night with her mindset coach, whose whole mission statement is, is his whole approach to everything is to get them to lean into their vulnerabilities and not to feel have to be told that they are the best but mm. to be accepting of things that worry them and and kind of diffuse them as they go along it's just such an interesting contrast and yet here they are both with the titles can i tell you another interesting contrast that you you might not like i've just seen a lovely smiling picture of Matteo Berrettini being interviewed at Wembley after the Euros final. Uh-uh. Is that... No. No. I'd, no. <laughs> I'd like to say I'm delighted, but go away, Matteo. Not but we it. don't want Berrettini to be sad as well as us. No, just go and be happy somewhere quietly on your own. Okay, I've, I've, <laughs> I've misjudged that one, folks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm very happy for him. Uh, he's a lovely bloke, but uh, just licking the wounds. Mm. Berrettini then, does he have the game to win Grand Slams or does he nearly have the game to win Grand Slams or does he need to wait for people to stop playing before he will ever have the game well, to win Grand Slams? it's not many people, is it? It's Novak Djokovic. I don't think he needs to wait for anybody else. And okay. I, and, and I actually, because I think he's right up there right now. And then now. that applies to everybody so mm-hmm. is he now into the best of the rest category? Pretty much. He's top four, five. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see him on hard courts again. I mean, he obviously had his Australian Open cut short, didn't he, with that with that injury that he sustained. But he was he was playing brilliantly at the start of the year and looking looking the business. Um, he's obviously reached the US Open semi-final, so I, I'm confident he can do it on hard courts. But I do think... That does bring more players into the equation. It brings Rublev, Medvedev, Sitsipas right back probably alongside him. He's ahead of Rublev for me. Yeah, I would say he is. But, I mean, Rublev has done a lot of winning on Mm. hard courts. He just needs to step it up at the slams. And I I have the same question marks as you about whether he can do that. I probably would put Berrettini ahead. But I just think he's, he's not quite singled himself out on grass because there's Novak Djokovic, but he's he's elevated himself ahead of the chasing pack on grass. Certainly, you know this season, but also what he did in 2019 was was mm. impressive. He's a he's a real force on grass and will be, I think, for for some years to come. In mixes, in mixes. Yeah, although the mix does feel yeah. like one bloke. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, and it. Sorry to bring this back to Djokovic, as we just got on to Berrettini, but I can't get over the fact that three years ago, after the Australian Open in 2018, Roger Federer had 20 slams, Rafa Nadal had 16, Novak Djokovic had 12. Oh my goodness! And was and was coming off. An elbow surgery relatively recently that he'd had there were you know there were real 
doubts about whether he would get back to where he was. He's won eight slams since then, and I think it's possible, look, who knows, that that, that that laying out of the last three years is an indication that this can change quickly and dramatically. But right now, it feels like we might be looking back and, th- and thinking, remember when it was close? Remember yeah. when there was a race? Mm. Like, well, he was asked in the press conference today by Rob Maul of the Sun. No, actually, it was Goran that was asked in the press conference. Yes. Can he can he win thirty? <laughs> oh, Obviously, going for the Sun headline of thirty slams, it's on. <laughs> um, but Goran didn't say no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a bit. I remember when Federer won his last Wimbledon, and and I, my question to him was, "Is it possible to win this at 40? And that was about four years ago. <laughs> and uh, and he kind of said, well, if you stay healthy, you know, it's kind of like that. Um, but, oh. but but actually 20, 25 is another target. That's only he, just over a year's worth. <laughs> it is another target he could end up looking for. Because I think the, the problem will come when he runs out of targets and points. Yeah. Mm. Because we've seen that hurt him. It'll be in, it will the, be the, very interesting how much of a target he sees Margaret Court's record as. Because it's not something he's ever asked about. He is not somebody that talks. He's not one of the male players that talks about the women's game very much. Some slightly, he's never explicitly dismissed equal prize money, but some potentially slightly sketchy comments in the past. You know, it's... It's not necessarily something I automatically think that he would think of as a target but if he starts getting asked about it who knows i just i'm i'm very interested mm. in how much of a feature that will become I, th- I think he'd be able to find a place in his consciousness to to but to it's interesting to, that we don't ever that. ask about it no no it, but it's, it's not next in line i think that's the the truth is it's about what's next really in, in terms of target and that's why i think for a while we we kept with Serena talking about Steffi Graf's record and Margaret Court didn't really get mentioned until Steffi Graf was overtaken, really. Mm. Um. Yeah, I I struggled to see him putting it out there as an objective and say, I want to beat Serena and I want to beat Margaret Court. I just, I don't think he would be the guy to make that comparison with the women's game. I just, I just don't see it, but he might, have it as a as a as the next target generally within himself wouldn't it also be a bit crass if you did say that that was a goal of yours to to go and beat the the best women player i don't know is that i don't know i think think, it would be tremendously respectful yeah and saying i want the the most ever male female tennis player i want to be it um I mean, it, it is interesting how, you know, we're now at this situation where Federer and Nadal Djokovic are all on 20 and how linked they are as players. I do find it interesting how they've all, you know, that they've not been neck and neck. It's, it's not been a race that's been really sort of neck and neck the whole way. I think it's interesting. Federer has, has so often talked about Pete Sampras's record as, as his target and he's obviously extended it beyond that Nadal has never really bought into the idea certainly outwardly of being involved in a race he's just accumulating as many Grand Slams as he can and 
and, and, and doing his thing. Whereas Djokovic has had Nadal and, and Federer as his target. He broke into that group and he has, he has been pushed by them. He has been improved by them. He is the player he is now because of them. And he has, he has ultimately joined them now and looks set to go beyond them. And I just, you know, maybe it's... I mean, it feels extraordinary that the third guy to come along could end up with the most but maybe that's the natural course of events you know people pushing each other so much and he's been pushed more than anyone Mm. Uh, uh, by the way did you notice that they both sent him tweets tonight yes Mm. yes Roger Federer's tweet was uh, much much more succinct than his congratulatory tweet for Nadal reaching 20 I did notice <laughs> which was written which in was, notes which was with notes and an accompanying picture <laughs> it was a bit more brusque it was quite it was bus- it was it was sincere but business like yes today right. yes yes ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hello tennis podcast listeners david here now you might know that i love a bit of cooking and i think i'm quite good at it but if i'm honest even i get fed up trying to work out what to do every night that's where home chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times well that's pretty cool Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. I've just seen a selfie video of Berrettini and Tomljanovic at the football. No, not ready for it. No, I'll never be ready for it. I, I, I've shut down I've Twitter done, on my phone. We've done quite a good job of me forgetting about that for mm. about four minutes. I was, I, I was pleased that he wasn't in a pit of despair, but there is a limit to how happy I'm prepared to be that Berrettini isn't miserable. <laughs> and he's, he's seemingly, in that split second of that video I saw, far too happy. We're more miserable than him right now. Yeah. All right? Oh, 
Four definite. <laughs> um, what else happened today? Neil Skubsky and Desiree Kravchik won the mixed doubles title, 6-2-7-6. Um, didn't see much of that was watching hopeful football build-up. But it happened. Well done, Neil Skubsky and Desiree Kravchik. Beat Joe Salisbury and... Yeah, and Harriet Dart. Mm. Um, brilliant run. For them, of course, Joe Salisbury won the mixed uh, at the French Open, didn't he? So Neil Skubsky, so and his partner Desiree Kravchik, so nearly went out in both the previous two matches. So that's a good shows. They, you know, just hang around. You might win the thing. Yeah, great run for them. In the junior finals, which were played on number one court today, uh, Samir Banerjee, who you saw yesterday, David, and were rather taken by he beat Victor Lilov in the All-American final 7-5-6-3 so remember the name Samir Banerjee I'm really I'm, I didn't get to see that match because it was the same time as the, the men's singles final but I'm really chuffed to hear that because he was exciting and it was Massetti wasn't it that you saw in the Australian Open two or three years mm. ago and I I do wish that I saw more of the, the junior competitions at these slams and then tried to keep a track of them because that was great watching this these two young lads go head to head like that and to see the talent he'd got and to well yeah i will keep tabs on him will he be a federer or will he be a barankis that's the big question <laughs> he plays more like federer i would say <laughs> of the two in the girls final anna mintegi del olmo of spain and and more specifically, glasses wearer, glasses wearer, and she's from Gipuzkoa, which is where my grandma was from. Oh, a um, one of the Basque provinces, and more specifically than that, she's from Idiathabal, which is also a cheese. Oh, hello. So one a hard cheese. Yes. I always do this to you. I ask you for supplementary <laughs> information on really niche things. Uh, she beat Natasha Mariana Schunk in the girls' final today. Came from a set down two six six four six one. So remember the name, Anna Mintegi del Olmo, mm. and, and I believe she's the first Spanish um, junior champion at Wimbledon. Oh wow! Mm. Mm. Great fact, Dida de Hood won today the women's wheelchair singles title. She beat Gothazzo Montagna uh, in the final 6-2-6-2. I'll say it again, Dida de Chut, because I'm convinced I'm the only person in tennis saying that correctly, other than the Dutch. (laughs) (laughs) Joaquin Gerard of Belgium won the men's wheelchair singles title. He beat Gordon Reed 6-2-7-6 in the final. And now that I've gone down this road, I'll tell you who won the junior doubles title. It <laughs> Titles plural, in fact. Oh, dear. I've gone down a rabbit hole here. It was Christina Dimitruk of Belarus and her partner Diana Schneider of Russia. They won the girls' doubles title. Uh, And the boys' doubles title was won by Idas Butvilas of Lithuania. 
You're on the edge of your seat here, aren't you? Mm -hmm. And his Spanish partner, Alejandro Manzanera Pertuza. Great. I mean, it's very important that we read out these names and remember that we've read them out in case they do a thing in the future. Yeah, when one of these is the greatest up, of all time in 20 years, we will be able we'll to clip have a this. Record. Yeah, and, and Remember when we couldn't say yeah. but Vilas's name? God, those were the days. <laughs> exactly. It's like it's like when you go back to an old Simon Mayo show on Five Live from 25 years ago and they're reading out URLs on <laughs> on a screen and they're spelling them out. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the names to remember for the future or possibly to forget. We'll keep you posted. And that was Wimbledon 2021. I know we're in a state of despair right now. <laughs> I, I feel a bit better. As always, the podcast has helped. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, thank you, I listeners. If, as you're listening right now, you should uh, do a little round of applause for Matt for doing this podcast <laughs> because 45 minutes ago was not a good time. They put a song on a montage and it didn't go so well. It was, it was Songbird by Fleetwood Mac. It, mm. it was an attack. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't need to do that. And it, it ended with an Italian shouting, it's coming to Rome into a camera. Yes. It was It was horrifying. Anyway, Anyway, it was a good Wimbledon, wasn't it? It really was. And it was great to be recording the podcast with you both in person yeah yeah it's been a joy and we shouldn't let the horror of this evening trash that although it already yeah I, I was i was worried about monday being a real thud the thuds happened <laughs> quite, quite looking forward to monday now. yeah <laughs> bring on monday <laughs> yeah get me out of here as quickly as possible uh well it's it has been a joy it has been a joy it is uh Oh, it is Monday. It's a shame <laughs> oh, it is. to end on such a bum note. But half the people listening don't give two hoots about football. Um, so, yeah, in tennis terms and in podcasting terms, it has been a treat and a joy and a privilege. So thank you very much to you both, to, to Pam Shriver, to yeah. Billie Jean King and Alana for, for popping round. Just part of our extended team. To our mascots, Jesus. This is the big story. We got oh, a win yes. today. I can't believe it took so long. On the last day of the tournament. Did it take you off the bottom of the table? No. No. <laughs> no. That wasn't the game, though, David. Just getting a win was the game. Consolation. Mm. Uh, who finished top of our French Open? Predict- uh, of our- oh, French Open. <laughs> I regressed then because I finished top of the French Open <laughs> predictions. I was trying to relive French Open predictions. Who finished top of the Wimbledon predictions? Uh, top was... Katura. Congratulations. Very well done, Katura. David saw her yesterday. Yes, I did. She was wearing a tennis relived t shirt. Ah, good mm. on you, Katura. Very yeah. good uh, predicting. Uh, very good indeed. She she got a lot right. David did a respectable job for Rogue. Matt the same for Scousel Mousel. David was second. Oh. Automatic promotion. Yes. I'm in the playoffs <laughs> with well, you're in the playoffs. There's, there's only six of us in the competition. Mm. So I'm in the playoffs with Catherine, Daryl and James. Thanks mm. to them for taking us on. <laughs> Billie Jean is sponsored, as always, by Billie Jean King. She's fast asleep. But she stayed with us because she knows 
she knows we need her support and comfort right now. Uh, Mocha has been our absolutely lovely Wimbledon mascot for the fortnight. Hello, Mocha. Thanks for being a cutie. Thank you to Dawn for putting you forward. Thank you to Chris Albert Lee for being our executive producer and general top bloke. And Matt, our final Wimbledon shout-outs for 2021 are for... Hector Lisboa. Oh. oh. Fantastic name. I don't know we... any Hectors. Hector nu- Nunes? Is that a footballer? Oh, there's there's Michael Hector who plays for Fulham. He's rubbish. There's a Hector in um, in Breaking Bad, isn't there? I have no idea. But Lisboa is Lisboa is Portuguese is for Lisbon. For Lisbon. Oh, yeah. And there was a boxer called Hector Camacho. Just Hector Bellerin. Hector Bellerin. Shout. <laughs> <laughs> right, Hector. Thanks very much for your support. <laughs> we also have Emily Ganko. Oh, right. right, Emily. Hello, Emily. I like the name Emily very much, and it doesn't. That name doesn't remind me of any footballers, which is pleasing. Mm. This, this one might. <laughs> oh, no. Vicente Sala. Oh, oh God! <laughs> An Italian name with a footballer's surname. Who's up front for Liverpool? Yes, mm. I worry that Vicente is Italian. Mm. Mm. He doesn't. He doesn't deserve this additional joy. Normally, but that anyway, would be magnificent. Just in case Vicente is not Italian, hello and thank you. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and if he is, well, he's had a good evening anyway. Yeah, exactly. You've had your fill. <laughs> uh, it honestly has been a joy. It really has. Thank you for coming on our Wimbledon journey. Sorry if we have sounded slightly dejected tonight. We have we have uh, we've done our best job not to. And honestly, the podcast. While well, I speak for myself, but I hope for it. I speak for Matt and David as well when I say the podcast has helped somewhat in elevating our our somewhat uh, depressed mood. But yeah, it has been a treat. We are going to have a week off, but we'll be back with more podcasts next week. We've got listener questions, specials. Hey, the Olympics ain't far away and nor is the US Open after that. So don't you worry. There are plenty of tennis podcasts to come. And just to remind you that we crowdfund for this podcast every December. And if you'd like a reminder for how you can support us at the end of the year to continue for 2022, uh, then... We can supply you with that reminder. The link will be in our show notes. But for now, from Wimbledon 2021, it's a wrap. We'll speak to you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.